0: Welcome to Short Course, Episode 1, for January 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This is an introductory episode for Short Course, my podcast about competition shooting, USPSA, practice, and getting better. You might be wondering who I am. I'm a USPSA grandmaster. I made GM in April of 2017. I've been shooting USPSA for about four years, and I got started in IDPA a couple of years before that. I've always been interested in practice. I've never been a big gear guy, I've only shot a couple guns. Uh, my entire history I started out on a Glock 17 got an M&P Pro for a while shot that for for most of my production career dabbled in single stack for a little while just cuz I was curious we, we'll talk about all that and then about a year and a half ago I switched to the Tamfolio Stock 2 for various reasons that again we'll get to in a later episode and I just shoot it you know I don't tinker with it I mess with it as little as possible and I just go shoot and that's my style I like to practice I like to study my match video. I like to look for places to improve. And I just, I like to figure out what's wrong and how to fix it. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. And so I'm going to apply the same mindset to this podcast. It's always going to be changing. I have a, a rough idea that I want to deliver a weekly episode. I don't know how long it'll be. Goal is somewhere in the 15 to 30 minute range. We'll see. Maybe I have more to say in a week. Maybe I have less the reason that it's so important to always be changing and always be learning and always be innovating is that fundamentally if you want to keep getting better at something, as you progress up the diminishing returns curve, the only way that you can keep making progress is if your practice, if your improvement keeps getting more efficient. If you're listening to this and you've been stalled out somewhere, you know, you were making progress for a year or two or three or a while, and then you've stalled out, what happened was you were getting better until the the, the upslope of the diminishing returns curve. Was too steep for however good your your practice or your improvement or whatever it was got, and so you you weren't able to keep climbing because you sort of stalled out, and now you're now you're just you're on a plateau. And so by the same token, I don't want to get there with this podcast. I want to always keep improving, always keep trying new things, and so it'll be a little uneven. The the format will vary from from week to week. You know, I've got ideas about doing interviews and different segments and talking about matches I've been to in the past. And all of those things may turn out to be interesting. They may not. But you'll have to tell me. If you're listening to this, if you like something that you hear, if you don't like something, track me down. Find my blog. Find me on Facebook. Find my Instagram account. And send me a message. Send me an email. Email is definitely preferred. It's just easier to sort through and you can have longer form conversations. So as I record this, it is middle of January. It's actually strangely, bitterly cold here in North Carolina. I think Most of the U.S. is going through one of the coldest winters they've had in a long time. So people are taking time off and starting to formulate goals for 2018 and beyond. And I just wanted to offer, I I wish I had a grand unified theory. I wish I could, you know, write a book about this, but I don't. I don't have it all figured out. But I have a couple of experiences about setting goals and some thoughts that hopefully will be helpful to you guys out there setting goals and it'll spark some ideas and you guys can send me an email and tell me what did or didn't work for you. And and that feedback loop will help us sort of figure out things as we go. But here's, here's what I do know. Here's what I I think I figured out. This all goes back to a challenge or a question really that was asked. uh, When I was on the Triangle Tactical podcast at the end of 2015, we had a listener question that was, what was our goal? What were our goals for 2016? And at the time I hadn't really I never was much of a goal setter. I hadn't made any goals up. But the the question kind of put the gauntlet down, and I thought, what the heck? Let me set an aggressive goal. I had, I, I was just, at the time, I was just on the verge of M class. I think I was in the, the, you know, 82, 83 range. And, you know, I was on the podcast. I was practicing a lot. I was shooting a lot of matches. And I I set the goal because I figured, you know, why not? Like, I, I, I didn't, so I didn't think I would make GM anytime soon if i didn't sort of have something to put a little more gas in the tank. And so i thought, what, you know, what the heck? Let's say i want to make GM next year. I'm 83% now. All i need to do is get to 95% or above. I drive fire a lot, i practice a lot. Let's let's see what the power of a goal is. Well, spoiler alert, i didn't make the goal. I didn't make GM in 2016. I made master pretty early on in in February of 2016, I made M class. And from there I went up to the low nineties pretty quickly. And then from, I want to say something like April through the end of the year, I just hovered in the low nineties, 93 and a half percent or something like that. And 95% is all I needed. Now, you know, from April until the end of the year, it it definitely got, it was a busy year for me. I, I changed jobs. I got married. I changed guns. So, you know, you could blame all of those things, but in the end, the goal. It didn't really give me motivation to go practice. I was already practicing as much as I could just, you know, as all this other stuff in my life was happening and it didn't really give me something to focus on. All it did was made me feel like as time was running out, as the year was getting shorter, the pressure started to build more and more. And so particularly in the last three months of the year, I stopped. So I stopped going to live fire practice nearly as much because I felt, you know, the pressure was on. And I remember actually sitting down and writing out a list of every match between that day and the end of the year. And it was something like 11 matches, 11 USPSA matches within an hour of my house that I could reasonably drive to and trying to to figure out like how many classifiers do I need, you know, with how many I have to, whatever's the next one to drop off, you know, what would I need? Can I do it in two classifiers? Do I need three? And, And I remember seeing like, oh, if I just get like two hundos or three 96s or something, you know, out of this 11, they no problem. And so I just got into this mindset of all I need is, you know, more bites at the apple. I, I, I'm, I'm good enough. You know, I've shot. At the time, I think I had at least 100% classifier and a couple other, you know, 90, high 90s, enough to get me close to GM, but not quite over the line. And so I just had that list, and I started going to, to matches and shooting classifiers. And every time the, the classifier came around... I would feel like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm at this match. I don't really care about the other stuff. This is the one that matters, and I, I crumbled. Like the the pressure just crushed me. It it didn't help. I didn't feel especially prepared because I knew I hadn't been going to live fire practice. My my dry fire was focused on classification, but it, it wasn't. For some reason, it just didn't it didn't build my confidence. And so as the year wore on and that list got shorter and shorter, I started. It was almost like bargaining. I was like, okay, like I just need I just need 1 hundo and, and I can put this away. And and it didn't work. It, it just it didn't work. I was already under enough pressure and I already felt the the intensity to to get to GM and having the goal there just as the year went on, I got worse and worse. I I didn't start shooting better. I didn't start practicing more. It was not a positive influence. And in fact, there was actually I I drove I found out there was a fire match in the middle of December, and so I drove over an hour, I think it was two hours, it's two hours to that club. The club, I don't normally go to their match, but they were having, it seemed like, it seemed like it was meant to be, right? They're having a fire match in the last month of the year, I'm trying to make GMN. What could go wrong? Well, what could go wrong was I was shooting a metal gun that I'd been shooting for two months with metal grips, and it was in the 40s that day, and so the gun was cold, I was cold, not not your best conditions to shoot good classifiers anyway. And then you add to that all the mental pressure and and the fact that I think I just, I I think I had a bad first classifier and that just sort of started this mental spiral. And of the six classifiers that day, four didn't count. One was, was right in the master range and one was GM material, but on net, it, it didn't get me across the line. And so the result was I I got burned out. I actually, I, so that was the middle of December I, I didn't touch my guns until until the end of January. I, I ended up taking six weeks off just because, as the year went on, as the pressure built, I just started to to hate hate practicing and and, and hate shooting. It just it wasn't it, it's not it's not just that it wasn't fun anymore. It's that it wasn't satisfying. It just felt like quicksand. So February 2017 rolls around. I start dry firing again. I pick the guns back up. I shoot a couple matches, and within a couple months. I I made GM. It was actually April first, 2017. So two months after I started shooting matches again, after being stalled out for however long, I just cruised right into GM, and it it wasn't it wasn't because I was practicing more. If anything, I was practicing less than I had been in in 2016. But it was just that somehow relieving that pressure of the the calendar bearing down on me let me just. Stop trying to think about the outcome and just shoot, just focus on shooting a good classifier and seeing what the outcome was instead of doing all this pre-calculation and overthinking, which to be fair, I'm very prone to. This advice may not apply to you if you're not an overthinker, but I am. And so the the goal just didn't help me there. And so this kind of forced me to reevaluate what I thought about the value of goals, about setting goals like that, and and sort of it forced me to look and say, okay, setting that goal didn't work. How do I set goals that are going to work? and the, the the main thing that i found is that it is much better to measure something that is a process than something that's an outcome so classic example is i will dry fire four nights out of the week and live fire twice a month something like that like that's that right there four nights a week dry fire and two times three times four times a month live fire like that's a recipe to get really good really fast. And the nice thing about that is it doesn't actually require you to, you know, feel the pressure to sort of reach some artificial barrier or some artificial level. Just following the process, if you're rigorous about it, I think will get you there. That's, that's what has been working for me at least. So the, the, the important features of a goal like that are that it is, it's something that you can exceed. It's so like, let's say you're really on fire and for whatever reason you plan to dry fire four nights in a week, or let's say you're, you're starting out more simply. Let's say you've got a, a lower bar. You're trying, you're trying to get started. You just start off at, at two nights a week and then you have some event in the evening that gets canceled. You've got a free evening. Boom. Now you can do an extra night of dry fire and you have not just met your two nights a week of dry fire goal, but now you've done three nights of, in that week until you're exceeding it. And that is the, the value to that in building your self-confidence and building your your sort of perception that you are prepared that feeling of i'm not afraid of whatever I'm going to see at the match that's really that's really what you want to build and so that sense of preparedness by being able to to exceed your goal and go beyond it is is really valuable but at the same time it is also valuable that you can catch up you know you can you can make the goal fit into your life and if you have something unexpected come up you can work around it so Following that idea of a goal of dry firing three nights a week, if you know that you're going to be busy Thursday and Friday, well, then you got no choice. You got to bang them out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or if you were planning to dry fire Wednesday and something came up and you weren't able to do it that night, well, then you look at Thursday and Friday and you say, okay, where can I fit it in? But but the, the idea is by being flexible like that, you can you can make the the work fit into your life because this isn't a career for any of us. And so you can make up that progress. If something comes up, you're flexible. You don't get into the situation where you promise yourself that you're going to do something and then boom, as soon as you failed, you know, if you're on a diet and the first time you eat a cookie, then the diet's ruined and you might as well just, just quit altogether. It's not like that. You can, you can recover from failure. You can exceed your practice schedule and you can make it fit into your life. So I think that kind of thing is good. What I don't think is helpful is any kind of match placement goal. So the idea that I want to be top ten at a given match or top ninety percent at a given match or anything like that. And there's there's really two reasons for this. One is that you just can't control who shows up on any given day at the match. You know, whether it's a, a section match or nationals. You can't control who shows up, how much talent there is. The, you know, there have been years where There have been a bunch of divisions all at the same nationals, and so the individual talent pool at any given nationals is more diluted. And then you've had years where, you know, there were two years there where production nationals was its own separate match up at Passive Park, and it drew out a huge talent pool. And so if you win that match, that's much more prestigious. Or if you do well at that match, that's much more prestigious because the talent pool in that particular match is deeper versus in a, a year where it's it's split among many different divisions and so each each division is a little weaker. It can be individual variations like that. It can be that if you're competing to win some state championship and your other the other one GM at that match doesn't show up or whatever, then you like you win by default. Like that that your your outcome is not dependent on, on your performance. So it's a it's a bad goal for that reason. And the other reason it's a bad goal is you can't measure progress towards it. At least with a classifier percentage, you can see yourself moving up or down or with something like a, a particular drill you're working on, you can measure your time. You know, last week you were able to do El in six seconds and this week you're able to do it in 5.7, something like that. You can you can get those check-ins. Now I do think that classification isn't great for this because the, the, the check-ins are so spread out that you don't unless you're shooting a match every weekend, which gets very expensive and time consuming, it's hard to get frequent check-ins on how your process is working and what progress you're making. So classification isn't even though it technically fits this measurability criterion it isn't great because the the measurement is so coarse and the cost the cost to get any single measurement the cost to go shoot a classifier for most people is going to be at least half a day driving to a USPSA match shooting six stages and then driving home. So if you can if you can get small frequent check-ins whether it's every week you know whether you met your practice schedule or if you go to the range you can measure your progress on a certain drill those are, those are much better goals than something as coarse as classification or something where you can't measure progress towards it at all, like match placement at a particular match. So I am already starting to build my match schedule for 2018. I roughly know all the matches I'm going to go shoot and where I'm going to place on them. It doesn't matter. It, it's, not, it's not in my planning because it just it not productive. In, in my mind, there's really two points of some kind of goal or motivation. One one type of goal, which is the sort of process goal I was talking about earlier, where you define the the number of practice sessions you want to have in a month or a week or what have you, those kinds of goals, they, they help build your self-confidence. They make you feel like, yes, I'm actually making progress. I deserve to do this. I'm actually seeing myself get better. And and you sort of time after time, you go and you practice and you feel that improvement and it builds that confidence. I don't know if this is exactly what Lanny Basham would call a self-image, but I know in myself that when I have regularly practiced something and then I go to the match, I just I'm not scared. I'm not worried about something. I feel, yeah, I can take this. I've been practicing for this. So that's the kind of process preparation goal. And then I think there's there's this other kind of goal that's almost a motivational goal, something like I want to be able to do a two second bill drill or a five second El Prez or whatever. You know, these these kinds of gold standard record time type goals. And, and the point of that is it gives you something to aim at, it gives you direction to work towards because, I mean, let's be honest, there's a zillion things in practical shooting to get better at. And unless you have a particular direction that you're moving towards, you'll just aimlessly wander around in, in no real direction, just going from flaw to flaw in your shooting without a plan to systematically make them better. And so I think those two types of goals are productive. The problem is that they're not necessarily all that interesting. Because they're so small, they're so granular, they're so ticky-tacky kind of micro-goals that it's hard for them to really be impressive when you state them out loud. But I think they are helpful. I think that's, that's what I've been leaning more towards. That's what I've found is more helpful. And that's what I think sort of in your own private practice, so to speak, you know, to yourself and as you log things or however you record your practice and, and measure your progress mentally on paper, in a spreadsheet, whatever. As you do that stuff, that's what will actually build the confidence that, oh yeah, I know that I practiced weekend when you come to a weekend stage at a match or something like that. Now, this all isn't to say that going to major matches and seeing how you place isn't valuable. I think that's extremely valuable. I think that is a very good way to measure your overall progression as a shooter, but I just don't think it's something to set your sights on. The way I I am looking at major matches going into 2018 is I know which matches I want to shoot because they're going to be interesting and a good test of my skill that will motivate me to practice. So, right now, it looks like I'll be shooting a South Carolina section in the spring. That sort of is my motivation starting from now until when that happens. After that, the plan is Ipsic Nationals in the summer and USPSA Nationals in the fall and the, the North Carolina section which is, I think, two weeks before, but it's also towards the end of the year. You know, that, that's, the, that's the rough plan. It's not a lot of matches, and that's on purpose, because I want each match to be a focal point, to be something I'm focusing on and working towards. But ultimately, each one is not going to change. It's not going to change my practice based on whether I meet some arbitrary number or not, whether I'm 10th or 11th at a given match or whether I place 90% or 87%, it's all data. I'm going to break down each stage, look at what worked, look at what didn't. You, you can gain way, way more data when you're looking at your match results by looking at the two stages you did the best on and the two you did the worst on and, and comparing how they're different. That's much, much more informative than looking at the whole thing aggregated together and saying, oh, well, I got a 67% this year and a 57% last year, so I must be getting better. And it's like, that might be true. But where are you getting better? How are you getting better? What in your practice can you keep doing to keep getting better? You know, what What did you improve on at a very micro level since last year? And how can you keep practicing that way to get better at everything else? And what didn't you improve at since last year? And how can you remove that from your practice so you have more time for the good stuff? That kind of thing. So I do think going to major matches is good, but I don't think setting them as, setting a, an arbitrary percentage or placement goal at them is valuable. I think what you really want to look at is you want to have a couple matches on your calendar, have them be spaced far enough apart that you can feel like you're really preparing for each one. You know, have your have your gear squared away three weeks ahead of time. Not too many matches bunched up all together, or you're just going from match to match. You don't really have any time to sort of break down your deficiencies, work on them, and then put them back together. You're trying to just kind of keep everything relatively in tune through the the, the marathon of multiple matches if you have you know, a level two every month or something like that. I don't recommend that. At least it hasn't, it hasn't ever interested me. I've never tried it. I know some guys that do it and they seem to like it, but it doesn't seem like an efficient way to keep getting better to me. So pick a couple of major matches, ones where there'll be a good balance of competition, uh, good stages that aren't too far away from you. So it isn't a, a huge organizational hurdle to, to be able to, you know, book the hotel and drive there and take too many days off work. It's, it's usually not worth it to do all that unless it's some big match like a nationals or an area match. Those, obviously, if you can make it to those logistically near you, do that because I think it is good to, to go to matches that will expose you to a higher level of competition so that you can understand what you're aiming towards so that you don't sort of think that the club match that you go to every week is all there is. So I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, okay, Ben, you just spent all this time talking about goals. What are your goals? And the answer is really they they aren't any different in 2018 than they were in 2017, which is dry fire four times a week, like basically gives me one night a week off and shoot two matches a month and live fire every weekend that I'm not shooting a match. So be at the range every weekend one or the other day. I will go ahead and put the caveat on that right now that it's the beginning of the year. I am as I'm recording this, it's actually the night before I start a new job. So we will see how that impacts things. Uh, I have every reason to believe it won't impede that. I wouldn't take the job if I did, but you got to be flexible. That And that's the other thing that I think isn't, isn't super productive about making goals on a very long time schedule is that you really, honestly, you don't know where you're going to be a year from now. In January, you really don't know where you're going to be in December. So that's why I think having sort of dividing your year up maybe with major matches, level two matches, level threes, as your mileposts, as the thing that you're working towards, that, that sort of is the edge of your horizon, that you plan your training around being prepared for the next major match, as the, and that's sort of your furthest horizon. I think that makes more sense to me, at least where I am now, because I've tried the other thing and it didn't work. So I'm going to try something different this year. We'll see if it works. I'll be talking about it on the podcast. So that's the plan. And that's my, that's my philosophy on goal setting and my advice to you, the listener, on how you should set your goals in 2018 and 2019 and whenever you find this podcast. So that's all I have for today. I have a long and varied list of different topics I want to cover in future shows. I'm planning to talk about matches that I've shot and the gear that I've used and what I use now. Uh, I do happen to be a certified USPSA CRO. So I definitely have some thoughts on nitty-gritty aspects of the rules and running matches and running stages and club match administration, even though I've never run a club match, but I've shot a lot of them. And of course, I'll talk about practice and dry fire and drills and how to keep getting better, at least as much as I understand it. The best way to reach me is via email at podcast at barryshooting.com. Regardless of when you're hearing this episode, I'd be interested to hear how you found the podcast and know more about you as a listener. Send me an email with first episode in the subject and tell me anything you think I should know. You're also welcome to send questions via email. I'll do my best to answer them, whether in email or on a future episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.